1: Hey, everyone. Quick programming note here at the top. This episode of What Next aired back in early October. We're rerunning it because we had a live show in Brooklyn last night. We are still recovering. But we're going to be back in your feed tomorrow afternoon with our weekly impeachment roundup. All right. Here's the show. The chair of the Federal Elections Commission, the FEC, she's got this tweet pinned to the top of her Twitter timeline. It's the kind of statement you don't often read on government letterhead. It's stripped of formality and weasel words. It starts, let me make something a hundred percent clear to the American public. Then it continues, it is illegal for any person to solicit, accept, or receive anything of value from a foreign national in connection with a US election. Ellen Weintraub, the FEC commissioner who wrote this statement. She's taken to tweeting it and retweeting it, attaching one-line editorials whenever she does. One reads, I would not have thought I needed to say this. Another says, is this thing on? When you get Ellen Weintraub on the phone, though, it's a little bit of a different story. I just want to be really clear. I am not going
0: to say whether any individual has violated the law. I'm perfectly happy to explain the law. I think it's important to explain the law. And I keep hoping somebody will hear me when I explain the law and they will decide to comply with the law. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to say if anybody has violated the law.
1: It's funny because you are simultaneously an incredibly careful person, but really out there. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I, th- I think there are things that I can say and things that I can't say.
1: One of the things she can't say, can't even imply, is that Donald Trump has done anything wrong by openly asking Ukraine and China to interfere with the U.S. presidential election. Even though, if that's true, it should be pretty interesting to an agency like hers, which was set up to meticulously track who funds and influences federal campaigns. You're being very careful, but I read your tweets and I see your interviews and I think... You have no patience for this moment. Do you feel fed
0: up? I feel concerned. I think this is a really fraught moment for our democracy, something that I care deeply
1: about. So Weintraub can't talk, but there's something else. She also can't act. Is foreign interference the kind of thing the FEC would usually investigate? Yes. And we have. Could the FEC
0: investigate right now? Not right now. It's hard to hold people accountable when you don't have a working enforcement process,
1: right? I wanted to start with, like, how is this supposed to work? Like, in an ideal world, like the (laughs) FEC is saving the day, what does that look like? Because I think a lot of people think they kind of know the FEC, (laughs) but they don't.
0: Oh, boy, it's been so long since
1: we saved the day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Talking to Ellen Weintraub, it became clear. Like a lot of people, she's frustrated with this moment, with the individual actions of this administration that are driving the president closer and closer to a formal impeachment. But she's also frustrated with something else. The fact that agencies like hers should be able to help prevent what's going on now. And instead, her only remaining superpower seems to be her Twitter account. Today on the show, Ellen Weintraub on life inside the FEC, why she feels stunted, and what that says about the way the rest of Washington is working. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. Ellen Weintraub has worked in Washington for decades. And the fact that D.C. is hyper-partisan right now, that's not what really bothers her. What really bothers her is that people in power don't seem to respect the institutions they're running. She looks around and she sees contempt for government, by the government, even at the agency she chairs, the Federal Election Commission. And that, Ellen Weintraub says, is new. When I first
0: started here... There was a general consensus amongst all commissioners that in taking the job of commissioner at the FEC, you were making a commitment to try
1: and make the place work. The Federal Election Commission was created in the wake of Watergate as a way to monitor and rein in the way political campaigns were being funded. Six commissioners run the agency. No political party can have more than three commissioners at a time. Some people deride this setup as a design for deadlock.
0: I think that's wrong. I think it was a design for compromise. And we did compromise. For years, the agency actually kind of worked. I will acknowledge it was never the most aggressive enforcement agency in Washington, but for the most part, it worked. We could define the law. We could enforce the law. We could penalize violations of the law. And the agency kind of worked. When
1: it worked, the FEC would turn along like this. someone makes a complaint, the agency's lawyers take a look, consider the facts, consider the law, and make a recommendation. Then the six commissioners sit down and vote on what to do. They might dismiss the complaint or investigate further. If they think it's clear the law was broken, they would start negotiating a penalty. Any of the recommendations that come forward from the council's office have to
0: be voted on by the commission and require four votes to pass. So even if we don't have a full complement of commissioners, let's say it's three to two because somebody resigned and they haven't replaced that person, we still need four votes in order to proceed with any action. It has to be bipartisan. Hmm.
1: How many do you have now? We have three. (laughs) So that is not enough. So if the FEC doesn't work properly, and it sounds like it might not be working properly right now, what are the consequences? Well,
0: I, th- I think that as somebody who believes in rule of law, when the rules are are not enforced, it leads to disrespect. I think, I mean, I used to be in private practice, and I know that clients sometimes ask, so you tell me I'm not supposed to do this, what's going to happen to me if I do it anyway? Some people might feel like they can push the envelope and they're probably not going to get punished for it. That's a bad thing. You know, we want to have free and fair elections. We want to have transparent elections.
1: And that requires somebody who's able to enforce the rules. So talk to me a little bit about how we got here. What happened in 2008 to change how the FEC worked? What happened in 2008
0: was that for the first time, We had a massive turnover on the commission. An entire slate turned over at the same time. All the Republican commissioners turned over, and there were uh, two new Democratic commissioners who came on board. And the three Republican commissioners who came on board at the same time plainly had an arrangement that they were always going to vote together. Whereas before, if one commissioner felt really strongly about an issue. They might say, you know what, on this particular point of law, I am not willing to compromise. So the other five of you have a good time, see what you can do. I'm out on this one. And and that was fine. And it would be different. You know, I did that sometimes. My other colleagues did it sometimes. There, were, there are just times when you don't want to compromise. I get that. But what happened in 2008 was, with three commissioners voting together all the time, You could no longer have that situation where the person who's most adamant and intransigent on an issue takes themselves out of the deal and lets their colleagues move forward. Now, if I want to make a deal with the other side, I've actually got to negotiate with the person who is most intransigent on the other side because that person is not going to let their colleagues make a deal without him or her. Hmm. That makes compromise a whole lot harder.
1: People have laughed off the FEC since it was created. And you can see why. What other kind of regulatory agency has to sing kumbaya quite like them? How vigilantly can you enforce the law when your actions are the product of compromise? But Ellen Weintraub says it was that massive turnover in 2008 that really kneecapped the agency. With all those new commissioners coming on board, there was was no one on
0: the Republican side of the table who had been here before, who had any fidelity to any of the decisions that were made before, and... You know, a lot of commissioners come on board for the first time and they think, well, everybody else did this wrong. I'm going to do it differently. My way is going to be better. But that meant throwing out a lot of precedent and throwing out a lot of ways that the commission had moved forward in a productive way.
1: And one of the people who came on board was Don McGahn, who we all know, if you've been following the Mueller investigation, as someone who's been a lawyer in the Trump White House. But that's now. I'm wondering who he was then.
0: Well, who he was then uh, was someone who had been a campaign finance lawyer for, I think, for the uh, Republican Congressional Campaign Committee and, uh, for Tom DeLay and for a number of other high-profile Republicans and had very firm views on the law. He's pretty libertarian in in his views, doesn't really believe in the campaign finance laws. There's a wing of the Republican Party that believes that campaign finance laws in general violate people's First Amendment rights
1: to express themselves on politics. Well, it sounds little bit like the fox guarding the hen house. I mean, I read one story that he took an FEC rule book and ripped it up and threw it at you. Um yes.
0: And actually he was quite proud of being the fox guarding the hen house. Somebody did a mock-up of, you know, one of those Time magazine fake covers that you can order uh, with a headline about him being the fox guarding the hen house. And I think he framed it and put it on his wall. He was um, uh, quite proud of his role of coming here and being the guy who was going to upend the operations of the agency.
1: Mm. Can you just take off for me a few of the things that changed in that time after 2008? Because my understanding is that there was a lot of turmoil around what the FEC should be doing and whether it should be communicating with the Department of Justice and whether investigators should be Googling information about the <laughs> the things they were investigating. Can you lay that out a little bit? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um the Department of Justice is another enforcement agency and they have, they have jurisdiction over criminal enforcement of the campaign finance laws. We have jurisdiction over civil enforcement of the campaign finance laws. So there are times when one or the other of us will have relevant information. And in the new post-2008 era, The Republican commissioners did not want anyone talking to the Department of Justice, none of our lawyers, nobody, unless they had specific permission from commissioners. Similarly, it had been standard practice that, in addition to looking at the complaints and responses, our lawyers will look at publicly available information. They will Google the people. They will read the newspapers. The Republican commissioner said, well, no, in order to look at the newspaper, that's an investigation that requires four votes to start. So unless you have permission from the commission, you're not supposed to read the newspapers. And that's just silly and is plainly intended to limit the investigations that we can start and undermines the operations of the agency and its very mission.
1: You know, from the very beginning of Trump's tenure, you have been outspoken about him. You know, back in February, he had just assumed office. He alleged that there had been some kind of voter fraud in New Hampshire. And you tweeted at him and you said, give me the evidence. This would be huge for the FEC. We would investigate. But I think some people would look at this online back and forth, which has continued to this day, and say, you're a Democrat, you have been fighting against Republicans for a long time, I wonder how you would convince those people that you're something other than a partisan actor. Well, I am a Democrat. I don't
0: deny that. I was appointed to a seat that is normally held by Democrats. So that is true. But what I care about is the process. I care about Our democracy. I care about the integrity of our democracy.
1: Later, Weintraub called us back to explain more on this that she works at a bipartisan agency. So, of course, yes, her party registration is relevant. But she doesn't consider herself a party henchman. She stands by her voting record at the FEC. She's voted for investigations and penalties against Democrats as well as Republicans. But it almost doesn't matter because the conflict at the FEC isn't clannish in that way. It's less partisan, more principled. Democrats see a role for government to enforce campaign finance laws. Republicans, not so much. Not anymore, anyway. And the FEC wasn't designed to withstand that kind of disagreement.
0: What changed in 2008
1: was that the three
0: Republican commissioners had just a really strong ideological opposition to enforcing the law at all. So on virtually every single split vote, regardless of who is the subject of the complaint, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. The Democrats on the commission vote to go forward to investigate, to try to enforce the law, and the Republicans vote to block it.
1: Hmm. And the penalties really plummeted, is my understanding, too.
0: They did. They plummeted individually and they plummeted overall because we weren't doing as many investigations and we weren't concluding as many investigations. And, you know, that was part of the strategy was to purposely gum up the works. And and sometimes my colleagues would talk for quite a long time. Former Commissioner McGann was, he was famous for it. He could talk all day long. And It never really accomplished anything, but it just gummed up the works and slowed down the process. And then you finally get to a matter, even if it's something that you finally authorize an investigation on. Now you've wasted so much time. It's harder to find the evidence. People's memories have faded. The documents have gotten lost. And then you're bumping up against the statute of limitations. And then they say, oh, well, it's too close to the statute of limitations. We can't really do anything about that. Let's just call it a day.
1: Well, so take me inside a meeting with Don McGann. Like, oh, God. Would, would you like pack a snack? <laughs> I
0: would need uh, a snack, but uh, no, no, I didn't. I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> I usually pack a thermos of coffee.
1: How but long are we talking? Like, how long is this meeting?
0: The meeting goes on all day. So, you know, we start in the morning and we keep going we take a lunch break and then we come back and then it goes on for as long as people are willing to sit in the room. Hmm. And the in the old days, the meetings would be over by lunchtime because we would only deal with the most critical issues in the formal meetings. And there's a fail-safe mechanism at the end of the day. If we dismiss a case, the person who brought the case can bring suit in federal court if they don't think that the decision was justified. And sometimes the the courts have been helpful to the agency. I often find myself oddly rooting for the agency to lose, (laughs) because I think that would better vindicate the law.
1: Wow. That's that's a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) that's hard it is hard it is hard and it's hard on the staff
0: they don't like listening to us argue they want to get clear direction from their bosses and they can't get that because we disagree all the time Hmm. and at a time when the amount of money that people are spending is skyrocketing so the amount of money that's being spent in our elections is going dramatically up at the same time the penalties are going down
1: Ellen Weitraub thank you so much for joining me Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Love the pod. Ellen Weintraub is chair of the Federal Election Commission, where she's held a Democratic seat since 2002. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, and Mara Silvers. On this episode, we also had help from Stephanie DeLeon-Sick. I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.